Welcome to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. Building up to the American Royal, this week we have one of the hotter cooks in the past years on the East Coast, Dan Jacobellis from Top Gun Barbecue. They're from the NY. Dan and his brother have been killing it on the East Coast all year. They are a couple of great dudes, and they have a great take on competition barbecue and how they became successful. So please join me in welcoming Dan Jacobellis. The Barbecue League is the ultimate barbecue experience, and here's why. One small annual investment from you instantly unlocks all 70-plus tell-all recipes, enthusiast recipes, restaurant tours, and more in their unmatched library. This isn't your typical YouTube-type content. World champions like Getting Basted, Shake and Bake Barbecue, Heavy Smoke Barbecue, La Pasadita Barbecue, and 913 Barbecue share their full tell-all recipes. No secret is left unsaid, and a new video release is guaranteed every single week of your membership. You'll also see unfiltered looks from all levels of pitmasters during their live competition coverage. And those same pitmasters are accessible through the league's upbeat online community. As soon as you sign up, you'll also have a full arsenal of some of the best discounts in barbecue from brands like Snake River Farms, Blues Hog, Big Papa Smokers, Gunter Wilhelm, Gateway Drum Smokers, and more. The Barbecue League puts on members-only contests throughout the year, hosts live and virtual events, and offers a full-access league lounge at participating events. Our listeners to this podcast can receive $10 off of the $100 annual membership this month only, well, this month and leading up to the Royal, by using the code AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. That's AugustPitmaster on thebarbecueleague.com. You don't want to miss this content and all of this learning. It is one hell of an investment. We are here with the mysterious. <laughs> the mysterious, the very hot, the very cooking well. Dan Jacobellis with Top Gun Barbecue. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Luke. How are you? Good, good. I just want to first commend you on your great week- weekend. Thank you. You had a grand champion in the third this weekend. Still pissed about the third. Yeah, you know, I'm still pissed about the multiple ass weapons you gave me this weekend. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what, Luke? I don't like the hot thing. I don't like everybody comes up and says, oh, you guys are so hot. I don't like the hot thing. I just like to think that we're, we're good. You, know? <laughs> you guys are definitely good. That was uh, three wins in a row at that same venue, yeah. which is really hard to do and it's also the venue i think that got you into the jack for this year yeah it is yeah we got the auto from maryland yep yeah it's very cool very cool well i'm excited to have you guys on here number one because i know that i've known you guys for a long time we don't cook enough around each other i think we'd we'd be (laughs) we should cook more i wish and uh you guys are just a blast to be around and also you're doing very well right now and very excited to to see what happens this fall with the way you guys are cooking. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, so let's get into it a little bit. Top Gun Barbecue. Everybody knows the movie, you know. <laughs> so so how did that come to be? How did that name come to be? Oh, man, I, you know what? I think it might be just as simple as there's no, there's no real reason. I just kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I just kind of liked it. But now as we kind of get more into it, we, we see that you know we got me and my brother have the maverick and goose thing going on and i'm a little bit of a younger guy he was young in top gun school so i kind of there's a few similarities <laughs> there right but i didn't i didn't really think that going in you know we morphed into it i guess 
So one of the things I want to get into are uh, with you guys are superstitions, rituals, and routines. Because mm-hmm. I know that you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you guys are pretty superstitious. Uh, yes and no. Yes and no. Is there yeah. anything that you guys absolutely have to do, like the same every contest or any yeah. songs or anything that you got to do? No, we don't line the songs up, you know, as per our operation. But we, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me is if we're at awards and we haven't gotten a chicken call, haven't gotten a rib call, then it becomes time to turn the hat backwards. And usually <laughs> when we put the hats backwards, we'll, we'll get a call. But then, you know, we disproved that. I think it was in North Carolina a couple of weeks ago. We, I said no, because my brother was so confident in one of the categories. And I said, you know what? No, let's not do it. <laughs> sure enough, we, we still got, uh, I think we got first and fourth without turning our hats backwards. So, I mean, I like to disprove it because I don't like to be a slave to that stuff. So I like to always try to disprove the superstition. <laughs> yeah, but you guys also, you have like one of the most interesting, interestingly decorated barbecue trailers in that you guys are big sports guys. Yeah. And uh, particularly Yankees fans. And I just love coming in there and seeing all the Yankee stuff on the walls. It's great. Yeah, thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee sign right above the door. And uh, the, the Mariano poster means a lot to us because that's how we look at brisket as the closer. So you need, right. you need to close hard. And, and that's why the Mariano inspiration is, is up there. Right. But you could say that for all the meats in that, you know, I think and it's really changed the way that I've thought about cooking a lot in that I know that I'm going to get there in terms of temperature, tenderness. It's that last five to 10 minutes of working on taste and stuff. I think that is, that really sets apart, you know, the good from the great. Would you agree with that? Yeah. And, and, and that's things that you improve on change over the years. Like in the beginning, it's just running a fire, right. And then, and so on. Now at this stage, it, that's those are the things. The, the little, you know, uh, rather than kicking yourself because the pork jus is a little acidic that day, you just add a little something sweet and bounce out and, and so on and so forth. It's a million little decisions down the stretch of each category that can be made, whether to do something or not do it. And yeah, that's those are the little details that that are uh i think we've improved on the most this year yeah and it's i mean this this i don't want to keep throwing sports euphemisms at you but the streak has gone on you know started last year i guess or even the year before Mm -hmm. but i think what's interesting though is i know a little bit about your background how do you think your your career and your background experience has prepared you for being a pit master you know i think I was building towards this without even knowing it so many years ago <laughs> and right out of culinary or during culinary school, I was an intern at blue smoke a restaurant in Manhattan. So there was this huge barbecue fest. It was the big apple barbecue block party around Madison square park. And I just became a part of that, like from the jump, right. When I was as an intern. So I was like 19 years old and being able to rub elbows with Chris Lilly and uh, you name it, uh, Rodney Scott, Sam Jones, all the Billy Durney from um, hometown barbecue and guy out of Brooklyn. So like all these guys, I became a little bit of a gopher for them and I became able to form relationships. And that really helped. That helped the beginning part of it. It helped me become a better cook at Blue Smoke and that, you know, 
translated to being a sous chef at Blue Smoke. And then I was kind of had a lot more of a dealing with them during events. And anytime they came to New York, any guy, any big barbecue guy, they call Blue Smoke home. If they're doing like an ABC uh, segment on Good Morning America, they would drop their stuff off at Blue Smoke and, and that's where they would prep. And so that like forming those relationships really helped me. Before I even knew I wanted to do a competition, <laughs> I made friends with, made sure I made friends with all those guys. That's great. That's great that you got, and, and to get that experience before jumping into the competitions, you kind of had an idea of the mindset and the That's type right. of personality that was successful at it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Lucky for that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome. One of the things that I think is also great about you guys is that you guys are very confident in what you're doing. You know, you've worked really hard at your craft. Where does that confidence come from? Does it come from your background? Well, yeah, because, you know, now I was in a situation where, like, I just competed. I just did my first competition, I would say, like, in April. And the Monday after it is when I went in for my sous chef interview and then got the job at the same place, Blue Smoke. And then June of that year, I remember sitting down with Mike Mills and saying, hey, I just did my first competition. I finished second in chicken and can you, can you give me something, give me some advice? What do I need to be doing? What do I need to be doing? What should I, you know, where should I aim? And, and he said, you know, he's the godfather to me. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. Like Mills, Amy Mills, 17th, 17th street barbecue. And he sat me down and gave me some good, some good pointers, but then ended with the fact that he's so far removed from what's winning now. And he connected me with Randy Twyford, a friend of his, who was also helping Chris Lilly at the block party that year. So mm -hmm. when Mr. Twyford got the order from Mr. Mike, that like that, that meant a lot to him, I guess. And he sat us down at the, he said, meet me in the, meet me in the park at 9 a.m. tomorrow. So me and my brother, my brother drove me into Manhattan. We sat down in Madison Square Park, 9 a.m. And he took his iPad out with all his notes, all his cook notes, box pictures and everything. And Randy Twyford, this is only after doing my second comp. He just went in like a personal class you know completely gave me a big leg up on everyone else and then like a comp two comps later we, we won our first grant so it was <laughs> wow yeah. man talk talk about small worlds you know it, i met randy twyford at the 17th street uh contest uh murfreesboro and uh he's a really good friend of darren's and he's he's a nut <laughs> he's also somebody i should probably have on this podcast yeah uncle randy yeah, i'm telling <laughs> you those those years he helped us a ton a ton i really want to go visit him at his new operation down in puerto rico that's what i really want to do it seems so cool <laughs> cool well what advice would you give to somebody that's new in the game to improve their confidence i mean you You've obviously found a mentor. Is that something you would recommend to, to some, some, somebody new? Well, I think you need a lot of mentors. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of different situations you come across and, you, and, and sometimes you just need to figure it out on your own. So for somebody new, I would say number one is have patience. And, and, you know, I hear a lot on listening to you and doing these that people can win a lot quicker than in years past because of classes and because of, you know, the barbecue league and the internet, but 
what you don't see is those people sustaining. You'll see them pop off on a category, but you really don't see that new cook sustain it. And so you got to figure out what does that mean to you? Do you want to just go out and finish 17th and, but you had your first place, whatever, does that mean a lot to you? Or would you rather finish a quiet 15th and get no calls, which is better in my opinion. So I would say patience and, and looking, what do you want? Do you want to just go up and blow a category up and talk about it for the next three years? Or do you want to, uh, <laughs> you know, build something and to maybe take a few steps backwards that might give you the knowledge and the power to, to become more of a complete cook and just eliminate holes in your game, you know? Yeah. And then I want to dive into that a little bit because I think you hit on something that I think is prevalent in barbecue right now. And that's people coming in, having instant success, and then finding out that it's not sustainable. Right. And, and I think that learning that is part of competition barbecue. I mean, things, things ebb and flow and shift, you know, between different flavors and different styles. And I, I think it's something that we really need to talk more about. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're seeing a lot of these teams pop up, like you said, and they have some great success, and then they go four or five counts without it, and then you don't hear from them anymore. You know, because yeah, you got holes, you got holes somewhere. You got a hole somewhere. You know, it might be as simple as your whatever your rib wrap might be way off, or your you know your where you're shooting on pork tenderness might be way off. All you need is one thing, one aspect of one category, and you got a hole. Yep. Or that you've probably subconsciously done something different that you don't right. even realize. Well, you know, I find during the progression, sometimes you do a quick fix to mend a hole in your game. Say like you're struggling to, uh, you're struggling to with tenderness on a category and you do something to aid that issue. And then all of a sudden you get better at judging tenderness in that category. Now you got to fix the fix. <laughs> so it's <a> double, <laughs> you know, you create another issue for you. So if you just keep it pure and, you know, with the less is more attitude, like you always say, and I always reference to you, you subtract rather than add on. I think that's huge. Absolutely. We love to talk about our successes. I love to talk about failures. Do you got? Do you have an instance of something that went really wrong or a failure that you guys had that really taught you something about barbecue that's really changed how you do things? Um, yeah, I think it. Well, we spent the last two years before this this season getting pushed around by, you know, when Big Raz was on his heater, when uh, you know we've gotten beat up by Urkel, Uncle Pig, you know, we've gotten out muscle the previous two years before this. And that made me really go back to the drawing board this off season and say, you know, yes, what we have is sustainable to be in the top 10. But what I noticed is we don't really have too, too much firepower. You know, we're not going out and hitting a 700 one week and then a 660 the next so we were consistent and that's good. That's what some teams need, but I think we were a little too consistent and I wasn't cooking. You know, I was, I was, I guess being a little too safe on things. I was trying to be too perfect and trying to hit the tenderness perfectly rather than just loosening up and, um, 
literally loosening up, loosening up is making things a little more tender is what I started doing. And uh, yeah, so that's what I would say. Don't worry. I'm just making notes of something that I think applies to me. <laughs> <laughs> Always be shigging, baby. Always that's be shigging. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, you know, it's one of those things is, is consistency and always, you know, the mantra is always being, if you're getting calls, then stick with what you're doing. Um, but I agree with you. Sometimes you have to change it up a little bit to try and push, push it over the hump. Well, it becomes, it goes back to what do you want? What do you want out of it? Do you like going out there and you know, it's perfectly fine. A lot of people be perfectly fine with going out. Like last year we were like fourth, fifth, sixth, dancing around third here and there. <laughs> and that's totally fine for some people, but, you know, uh, it took it took a lot of guts to sit there and, and break down everything that we were doing to and tear it down and build it back up. And we did a lot of practicing over the winter. Yeah, practice. I still contend that practice is extremely underrated in what we do, Without a doubt. and and it's completely necessary. You've people ask me how do I get better at brisket? I'm like, cook a hundred of them. That's it. I mean, that's the only way you're going to get to know that piece of meat and know your cooker and know yourself. Mm-hmm. So do you have any tricks or anything that you do when you become overwhelmed or unfocused in the trailer? Is there something that you do to get yourself back in the mix? Yeah. I just, just like tell myself to pause, take a second, breathe and just like get in that zone, look around, look at everything, look up at the sun, down at the grass, <laughs> look all the way around because there could be signs anywhere in that trailer of what, you should be doing and or something we like to hang things up to remind us of what we should be doing like my timeline a little something a little blurb there or look back at mariano maybe he's gonna give me some type of insight <laughs> you ever <laughs> so, look at mikey you ever look at mikey and be like tell yeah, me what to do big guy mikey, mikey gives me those eyes or you should have told that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so it's, it's, inspiration could be anywhere right on let's talk about gear a little bit What's one of the most worthwhile investments that you've made in competition barbecue? The the jumbo smoker, also known as Jambo. <laughs> the one I saw it listed on, I think I told you the story before. I saw it listed on Facebook Marketplace as a jumbo smoker for uh, $500, a backyard. And I, in Tom's River, New Jersey, I didn't think it was legit because he labeled it as jumbo. And I started looking at the picture. I said, okay, that's a Jambo. Uh, I traded him a Yeti 65 and 150 bucks and went right there with my brother and my friend, Nick. And we, we threw that thing in the trailer and he, as we were pulling away, he, he said, he looked at his phone. He said, wow, I just got like 30 offers on this thing. So, All right. See you later, bud. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. You have told me that story, but I forgot it. That's why um, we called the jumbo. It's on my timeline as the jumbo. <laughs> $500 jumbo. Yeah. Well, that's well, crazy. 50 out of pocket and a Yeti, Yeti 65. That's, that's it. I think that investment has returned its money tenfold, probably. Hey, that's, that's the number one for us, that, that jumbo. <laughs> Do you have anything? And this is hard because you just told me you only spent $150 on a jumbo. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> what purchase of $100 or less has wow. most positively impacted your guys' cook process? Um. I got an, I got a little one for you that, that I don't know if you ever heard before I buy in bulk from Amazon, these pressure seals that, so when you buy a new bottle of rub, it has that pressure seal on it. Right. 
Yeah. So you open it up, first move is to rip it off and then you use it. And so I bought those pressure seals themselves. Cheap, really cheap, like a bag of 250 of them for about 10 bucks. And every time I open a bottle of rub and do anything with it, I put a pressure, new pressure seal in and close the top up. So I'm going to a comp, everything's sealed. So I just keeping your rub sealed is, is huge. Because now that wow. throws off the dilution. Think about it. The sugar, you know, you leave it in a hot trailer, even if you don't. Like, like if the salt comes to the top, sugars go down, bigger spices go somewhere else, the dilution of it is all off. And you may be shaking your your normal rub, but you're you're now you're 70% more salt, or you're, you know, it's you're throwing everything off. So keep, you know, you gotta keep everything consistent, everything down to the rubs, down to everything. Gotta be, you know, keep your control. Wow, I'm making a lot of notes here. Yeah, that's a good one. That, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. Yep. And you're correct. That has never been said on here before. That's well, listen uh... to every episode. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys use a lot of technology in your approach? You know, that was that was one of those big changes I made this winter. I said, uh, I'm getting rid. I'm hiding my gurus on me. We used to run a guru on a drum. And yeah, I mean, it gives you a nice peace of mind, but I don't know. I just got rid of it. <laughs> got rid of the guru, got rid of the, uh, anything telling me what the temps are and controlling my body. No, none of it. Got rid of it all. And I bought a big pack of, uh, wooden skewers. That's what I used. That's what I started in the winter training myself to test my tenderness with the wooden skewer. Rather, because whatever you're using, a toothpick, you just got to be consistent and know how that toothpick feels in the brisket, whatever it is. So I started using wooden skewer, and that's what um, that's what I use. So got rid of all technology, any numbers, because numbers will mess you up. You know, numbers will make you think something that's not really happening, or you know, maybe as technology improves, there could be something better where you know it could graph how that temperature is going up and it could, you could set a target temp. You could set a target cooking temp, set a target uh, finishing temp if everything is true. But then, you know, once you're cooking at 325 rather than 300, you might as well throw that in the garbage. Right. But if there was technology enough to have an algorithm and compute that and say, all right, temp's a little low, that means internal temperature is going to go up by 0.9 or something like that. Like that, that would impress me. And maybe I'd look into it also. Like if there was a graph or heat, I was always thinking this one in the gateway, if there was some type of heat sensor, that'll show you on your phone, like where in that circle of the gateway drum, say I'm burning super hot on the left and my coals on the right aren't even lit. That would mean a lot to me. And that would be cool. So like a, like a heat graph to show me that my coals are burning hotter on one side of the gateway. Because now you open the, the, the opposite vent and let it kick up a little bit on the right side. Because if you put two pans of chicken in that gateway, lefty's getting uh, <laughs> lefty's getting torched and righty's not getting anything. Exactly. So maybe I think we're a little bit of a, in, in the middle range of technology. If, if it was ever at that level, then yes. But right now, no. It's all, all trash to me. <laughs> right on. That's uh, I knew you used to be a guru guy, and uh, I did too, and... I still, I still have my chef alarms, but they just get me into the ballpark. That's kind of my. That's it. Yeah. Just kind of when to start checking. That's it. Yep. Yep. Talk about people a little bit. Who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? 
Um, you know, at different stages, different people. Twyford super early, and then I hit the Tuffy class, uh, which was great because he looks at things through the chef's mindset, and that that was my background. I, you know, I was trained at Culinary Institute of America for four years, and he's a fine dining chef in the beginnings of his career. So like the, the, that language always really resonated with me. Uh, I would say that's in the middle, but nowadays, uh, everybody, I talk to everybody, <laughs> even <laughs> Billy from Smoking Hog, you know, he's kind of been somebody to bounce things off for this whole time. So overall, he's up there. You know, he, he's up there. He, he, we went to his class years and years ago, one of his first class, I think. And mm-hmm. uh, that helped a ton. And I feel like it's funny. And you, you know this from doing classes. Once you do a class, you kind of have a little bit more right to continue asking questions forever. <laughs> right? I mean, oh, uh, yes. Yeah. I've, 100%. We, I tell people that at the beginning of our classes. Mm-hmm. It's like class doesn't end here. You right, know, we're in this together. Exactly. And that my, I'm not successful unless you guys are successful. So ask me anytime. Um, and now that I've taught so many, it's starting to become a volume issue because yeah. I do get a lot of questions, but I, I answer every one of them, um, and love seeing, seeing my guys and girls do well. It's, yeah. it's rough. Uh, Kim gets mad when people that have taken our class beat us and, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, well, I mean, that's why you do it, right? It's exactly. Marketing. Absolutely. And I, yeah, I try and tell her like, look this is a good thing, you know, and she's like, rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. L- love you, honey. When you <laughs> listen to this, <laughs> no, that's a good thing. hundred percent. I'll back you up on that one. Yeah. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? Wow. Competition barbecue or just the industry? Either or whoever won the Royal last and won the Jack last. Cause that's, that's what the goal is, you know, <laughs> that's successful to me is, you know, you, you, go out there, you win a world championship, whatever, however you got there, you're successful. So the winner of the Jack winner of the Royal is, uh, is who I'd put there. Right on. That's awesome. Do you guys listen you guys are music guys. You listen yeah. to a lot of music when you're cooking. Yeah. The, the Wu-Tang Clan. That's, that's about awesome. it. There's not the, what else you need. <laughs> It's a, it's on our playlist a lot, and uh, it's I think it's kind of I'm trying to remember the first time that we met. Yeah, you heard the Wu Tang going. It was I think it was at Hagerstown back when we didn't get a call ever at Hagerstown. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I walked by and I think I heard Wu Tang on, and I was like, "Hmm, <laughs> that's it, that's it." I got to come meet these guys. That's yep. awesome. Your competition week, is it the same every week, getting ready? Uh, yeah, honestly, I try to make it the same every week. Things change. <laughs> I always try to front load it as much as possible. You know, that comes back from uh, working in a restaurant and, you know, things Tuffy talks about. You do everything you possibly can as early as you possibly can. Do it without sacrificing quality. So that's the only reason why I wait to do something. That's the only reason why I wait till. I like to wait till the day I'm loading up the trailer to trim my chicken. I don't know. I mean, I've heard people, that's the first thing they do, but I don't know. It's, I think it's the smallest protein. I get, it get, it'll get stinky quicker than, <laughs> than other ones. So I, I do that last always. And on a normal Friday, Saturday comp, I'm, I'm uh, Monday doing some rubs and thawing the meat and looking to clean the trailer. 
Tuesday, I'll do rubs. Or if I didn't do rubs, I'll do sauces and injections too, which I think is pretty early to do on a Tuesday. Your injections, I don't know. I just, that's always what we've done. There's a lot of different schools of thought on that. Yeah, there um, is. It really is. Um, some people make them up to a week before. That's crazy. Uh, some people make them like you, like a, you know, middle of the week. Some people make them day of. Um, I'm a day of guy. I make it. Oh, really? I make it the morning of. Yeah. I wonder and, how much it matters. <laughs> that's yeah. the whole thing. Like, we really need to find some scientists to come on and be like, all right. So, how, where's the strength? Where's the strength in all of these different approaches and. I mean, you hear guys that do it early that talk about it gives time for the flavors to melt together. Then you hear guys that do it super late that it's because the phosphates are still hot and still active. Um, that helps with the tenderness. So I I don't know what the best answer is. I think I it's do what you be consistent and do it the same time and then keep everything else the same. And it, you know I, that's that's I, I really. Yeah, I I really think you hit the nail on the head there. As long as you're doing it the same every week and using the same, it's the same product that you're using. I don't think there is a right answer, to be honest. Until you have an issue. Exactly. (laughs) We're lucky we're sponsored by uh, butchers and anything, anything phosphate related. Because I don't really know much about the scientific aspect of the injection. I'll go to him. And he's great with that stuff. Oh, Dave is awesome. And that was one of my favorite conversations I had on here because he is such sure. a wealth of wealth of information. I mean, he just knows he's forgotten more about barbecue science than I think I'll ever know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's ridiculous. And he knows all that <laughs> stuff. Well, because look, that's his life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. It's um, he's a fascinating individual. Mm hmm. So what's been the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Um, getting, getting to travel around, you know, I, when we did our first one, I had no idea what the Royal was or what the Jack is. <laughs> so I didn't. And the first one we did was five minutes from the house. So I didn't really <laughs> think about, yeah, I just knew there was this one, a couple of minutes from us. So we might as well do it. And then we went to like, seaside hour and a half and you know ac another hour and a half two hours so the the traveling aspect and and all i would end up learning about trucks and trailers and towing and tires and all that i really don't not not a big car guy and so that stuff is always surprising me like i'm like a halfway trucker right now (laughs) (laughs) kind of yeah right like halfway Uh, so the traveling and the getting to see different parts of the country really i no idea going into it that that more i know we're about to go to drive to kansas city in a couple of weeks which is still crazy to me <laughs> yes and there you will be an actual trucker for that drive yeah. <laughs> yeah. i mean people are asking me uh last night at dinner they were saying well how how do you plan for your trip i was like i've already i've already got my route mapped out and where i'm staying where i'm stopping and mm-hmm. I can tell you the plaza that I'm stopping at in Wheeling, West Virginia, because I know that I can go there and get breakfast. I'd pull the trailer right around, not get pinned in. Not get pinned in, park it, take my time, take a couple hour break, Mm -hmm. you know, and get back. And they're like, the exact plaza? I'm like, yeah, there's a Starbucks and there's a Denny's. I don't know what more you need. 
Maybe I, I'm lucky. My brother does all that logistical stuff. He is so on it, so on. He puts more. So I, that's another Maverick and Goose thing. I'm just driving. I'm just driving. He's telling me everything. He's a co-pilot. He tells me everywhere to go, what I should look out. He got a big turn coming up. You know, <laughs> he has multiple options. We could have an aggressive route of travel. You know, if we want to get aggressive, we can go three hours to this stop, or we can take it easy and go two hours. To the, you know, he's, I'm, I'm lucky to, to have him with a lot of things, but, you know, that that's huge. He handles all the logistics. It's uh, It's got to be pretty cool cooking with your brother. It really is. I mean, because you guys can probably read each other better than anybody in the world. and Yeah, and there's no uh, buffer zone. He's not afraid to tell me anything. I'm not afraid to tell him anything. Uh, you know, nobody keeps it more honest than my family uh, as far as reviewing uh, how cooks went and, you know, to how things taste. And say, oh, I like that, but uh, you know, last week's was better. And it's hard to take it first, it, but, but they are brutally honest with me, and I'm thankful for it. And you need that. That's... Yeah. You know, that's one of my, my preaching points is, you know, we've got to be honest about the food. You know, if you're, you know, I tried to, tried to sell myself that my chicken was good on Saturday and I know that it wasn't deep down. Tough I, one. Well, yeah. you know what? You're in a tough position as the person who cooked it. It's hard. It's very hard. Cause you have, that's like a part of you. That's like a part of your heart ripped out on that little roasting rack there, sitting there with sauce all over it. So I, it's it's very hard to judge your own product. You need that trust. And you know, my father is really he he pauses, <laughs> he gathers his thoughts. He'll take a bite. He'll give you the initial instinct, the finish, and compare it to uh, the the rib I cooked in 2018 when I don't even remember. You know, he is he's amazing with that stuff. He gives us great reviews. Is he a food guy? He's a chef. So he's oh, okay. Chef. Yeah, that's what got me into cooking in, in general. And uh, I knew from a, a, a young age that I wanted to be a chef. My third grade yearbook, I said, I want to be a chef just like my father. That's awesome. Yeah. But it is funny how your parents remember your food from years ago. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I In West Virginia, I gave my dad a, a rib. And he said, well, that's the best rib you ever gave me he gives the rib you gave me in lakeland in 2018 or 2019 was way worse than that and i think you finished second that day he goes so that rib should win and i'm like how do you recall that yeah. <laughs> that's awesome it's great though i mean how much does it help us seriously right and and just having family there in general i think is makes you more comfortable keeps you in more in your own skin yeah well, listen, also, I mean, you're, you're huffing smoke all weekend. You're dehydrated at, at that point in turn. And as much as you want to hydrate and, you know, be in denial, you still are, you're not, your palate isn't where it should be. You're, your palate's naturally going to be a little bit fatigued. So to have that fresh palate, which is a judge, come in and, you know, it's huge, huge. Yeah, dehydration. That was a big theme this weekend. I got home. I got home Sunday night and Kim went to get the dog and she called me and she's like, you need anything? I was like, I need you to stop and get two Pedialytes at CVS. There you go. It's like, I can feel my arms cramping and seizing up and crazy, right? Your lips get dry. Yeah. And it yeah. happens quick. It happens quick. And that's, that's a good tip for everybody out there listening. Make sure you drink water. Make sure you drink whether it's Gatorade, Powerade, Pedialyte, get electrolytes into your system. Natty lights. 
Natty lights. <laughs> hey, beer's up there in terms of keeping yourself hydrated. It's well, uh, you gotta, yeah, you got to be healthy and do it. Get those beers in. <laughs> so one of the things I think this next question, uh, I saw it change a little bit this weekend. And that, you know, I always ask people what's missing from competition barbecue these days. And everybody always says the camaraderie. And uh, we were both blessed with the addition of 420Q to the cook on Sunday. Yeah. Icebreaker. <laughs> and he's, and he's your, he was your neighbor. And Kim and I walked up there. And I really felt like that was an old school barbecue situation. Like everyone's just hanging out, getting along, giving each other a hard time. And I really, really, really just enjoyed being up there. That was cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's what I know. That's what everybody always says is it's missing the camaraderie. Uh, man, I see. I don't. I kind of don't go into it looking to go out there and have fun. I really don't. Maybe I should. Listen, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, but I, I go into there. <laughs> I go into every weekend with a business approach, a professional approach, and uh, you know, sure, we could share some laughs and all that. Uh, terrific but uh you know my fun time is is is, is after everything it's all said and done that, that's fun to me you know, at the end. i know and it's your business approach it makes me fuck with you so much <laughs> <laughs> that's all right listen you, you know good it was a good you guys are just great to be around and just positives you know when when we talk about what's missing from competition barbecue it's it's positives to me it's it's you know having a positive mindset and uh you know another great thing that came out of this weekend was watching boggs hog win their first gc let me tell you something that was awesome i i i truly meant what i said i said both to both of them i said you guys deserve it because they really did they really 100 percent. and two of the nicest people out there and he's been knocking on the door for years yep and uh, it was just, I'm really, really glad that I was there to to be a part of that. That was cool. I mean, you knew it was going to happen because uh, at Wildwood, I got a chance to talk to him for a while. We actually were in culinary school around the same time, around the same years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. So I was, all right, this guy's a chef. All right, he's got, you know, chefs have a little bit of an advantage. And now if you, if you play it right, if you don't play it right and you think, that you are just going to walk in there and out chef everybody. Now you're asking, you're asking for trouble. But if you kind of like um, forget everything, you know, <laughs> as a chef, right. then you can turn into a positive because you got the knife skills, you got the regular food prep kind of like that stuff is not a challenge to you. Now, when you first got into it, did you think you were going to out chef everybody? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's well, fantastic you, that, that culinary school the culinary institute of america really gives you it kind of blows your head up a little bit you know it makes you it's great and and uh you know it is the best culinary school around and but it kind of gasses you up a little bit and then you take that gut check and go work as a line cook for 11 dollars an hour and that 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 brings you down <laughs> back down to earth you know that's really dumb. <laughs> i'll tell you what switched that up on me was uh was talking to Chris Lilly one day. He, him, uh, Mike Mills and Amy Mills came in for dinner one day and I was so happy. I was able to go out there, talk to them, tell them I had just won my first grand. 
And I was talking to Chris about all these flavors I was coming with, like, just tell him, just like, yeah. I said, Hey, I got to put a little hoisin in my ring. He's like, you got to stop with that stuff. <laughs> he said, stop, stop, stop going Asian flavor. Just, you know, I said, all right. And that's it. That's it. it ended for me right there. Yeah. And Chris is, Chris is pretty honest about all of that stuff. And, but also from a food person, food, uh, service perspective got to eat at his place a few weeks ago down in alabama mm-hmm. and uh top five restaurant barbecue experience i've ever had wow that's awesome. and in terms of quality of food across the board everything was was fantastic yeah they have um, a lot of respect for for the art they really do and i love that about them whole family yeah absolutely do you guys set goals for yourself as a team yeah, every year something different. And uh, I think we kind of knew last year we were, we're not going to go to the Royal because of everything that was going on in the world. But uh, the goal going into this year was to do at the Royal better than we were currently ranked in the no limit. So say you go into the Royal as the 2015, you know, I just wanted to perform better than we're ranked. That's it. That was my goal. And uh, win the Royal, win the Jack and all that. You know, that was, <laughs> that's really, that's, that's it. That's, that, that's the goal, but that's not the goal I tell. I guess I just did. <laughs> you did. You just told a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, was, and, and we're eighth now uh, uh, after the stuff came out from this past weekend. We're eighth in, eighth in the no limit, and we only got, what, 14 comps in? So that's That's amazing. I'm proud of that. I really, I got to say, I'm very proud of that. No, that's great, man. How many more do you have this year? Uh, we go Lake Placid. It's coming weekend. Then we hit the Royal, then straight to the Jack. And I might pick up another one campground to end the year. Right on. That is that is an impressive batting average. That Listen, is, uh... you know, it really is. And I don't get into the numbers too much. My brother told me the other day, he said, listen, we've done 14 now and seven of them we've been either grand or reserve. And that stood out to me. I said, wow, that's, that's amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's tremendous. That man. I don't, I don't want to know. <laughs> we're the worst team ever. <laughs> I think you should, I think you should bring the hoisin sauce back. So you mentioned no technology. So you're more of a gut feeling cook. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, you know, I don't, I don't buy into the always. You go with your first gut because, you, I'm sorry, you go with your. Uh, well, I don't take gut as your first decision because your first decision, open open the ribs, feel them. Your first decision might not be the most informed decision. So when I was judging chicken this past weekend, for instance, you know. I, I had my initial thought. I said, oh, right now it's here. And then the more I thought about it, I actually, I said, wait a minute, you know, I'm early on this. This is going to have to rest a lot longer than it did yesterday. So I played it completely different. And I mean, we were second and then third day too, second, first day, third day, second day. So it was good chicken both ways, but just the way we got there was completely completely different. And it's, you know, I think that, having that intuition about it is important though because you know each piece of meat's different yeah and you have to 
it's being able to react and to have the experience to be able to react that I think is very important. Yeah, I noticed right when you temp stuff, like say like you're going in for that first feel, right? First feel on the brisk. You got all that steam built up. It's like a little pressure cooker in there. What I've realized is that first feel, the meat is at its hottest point. It's going to be. It's only once you let the steam out, it's only going to get cooler from there. That first feel isn't always the truest one. It's got to, you know, for a second, cool off and get back down to life. And then you go in and feel it. So that's something that we've, you know, uh, that I've been thinking about more. And the more you do, the more you, you learn about this stuff. Yeah. Is there an example when your intuition didn't make sense? Well, how about, yeah, I mean, we put burn ends in the bottom this past <laughs> weekend. I really think, you know, I don't want to be that guy, but I, you know, I, I think we would have, I know we would have won if we didn't put burn ends in the box. We would have won the grant for sure. What, so, on Sunday? Yeah, on Sunday. So, Depends. You know, what? We got the roll coming up. That's why it's in my head. I got to get the burn ends right. And uh, honestly, I learned something valuable going back to the failure thing because I didn't really think it was possible to be over, not dry, but mushy. Wasn't dry, mushy on a burn end. I didn't really like, you got to put some heat on that thing to to get a burn end mushy. Oh, that's that's all I've been cooking. They're mush. Oh, right. And I, and I liked it. I, I, I did like it. That's why I went in the box above all. And I kind of tricked myself into not liking the slice as much because it didn't look great. It had a weird fat vein thingy. But I mean, in reality, the slice was money and the burnt end. I didn't know at the time <laughs> could be mushy, but the burnt end, we got a comment card mushy and suffered in tenderness scores. So that held us back. We first played brisket the day before. And we, you know, if it was just slices day two, it was right on the same. Would have been probably the same, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I had your, one the hard way. Had your first day brisket. It was phenomenal. Thank you. Yeah. This is really, really good. That's uh. thank you for being on here, man. Of course. Thank you for having me. I think, I think it's, oh, I know. And, I was thinking about it on the way home, and I was like, you know what? I really need to have have Dan on the on the one of my traditions at awards is when you get a call, I have to say, "Good job, kid." <laughs> Every I time. That. <laughs> Keep it up. Keep it up. Better say. <laughs> Let's hit these rapid fire questions. These are my favorites. Oh, let's go. What do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? Uh. I, I, I think like overall is a lack of respect for the craft. I really think so. A lack of respect for the craft is, is it when, you know, people throw something on a Traeger and I don't know, go to sleep and then wake up and like, that's what they think barbecue is. You know, it's, I always relate it to barbecue to pizza. Always do. And it's like, that's like saying, you know, domino, you go eat dominoes and say, Oh, I, don't know, I, I, I like pizza. Yes. That, that ain't pizza. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's great. I never thought about it that way. Yep. What That's pizza a good is point. to us in New York, barbecue is to other places in the South. Good point. Do you have a favorite pre, during, or post-competition meal? Uh, of, of recent times, we've been really trying to eat healthy because the cleaner and better we eat, the better we seem to do. So we'll do something like a little uh, wrap with eggs, get going during the comp we'll have some um 
I was, both of us are doing the keto thing. So, so we'll have some fresh mozzarella and prosciutto, and, you know, some Italian stuff from the, uh, the local deli that we pick on broccoli, raw, roasted peppers, all that have a nice antipasto spread and, uh, post, uh, I don't know. I'm so like fed up and shot and tired at the end of all. <laughs> I don't even, whatever's around, whatever's closest that doesn't have carbs or sugar. In it. That's what we can go with. Right. And you just like this weekend, Kim was like, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, nothing, nothing, nothing. I just, you were dehydrated I, too. That's why you, you, you I, I just want to eat. I just want to drink Pedialyte. That's uh, all I want. And <laughs> then have a big breakfast the next morning. Yeah. To make up for it. Yep. Do you have a favorite present that you like to give to people? Uh, you know, it, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to for a few Christmases there and, and, and a lot of times I would make up these jars of, of hot peppers and uh, I would get a case of Fresnos or a case of fresh cherry peppers they are hard to find and cut the sides off. So it was all the usable meat of the pepper, put it in a jar with some garlic and oil, Sicilian oregano. And that's, that's the gift. That was the move. We, we put bows on them, gave them to everyone for Christmas. I like doing them with the kids at school. That's a good one to do. Then we'll sell them, have a sale for the holidays. I love that. That's cool. That's cool. If you could have a giant billboard, let's just, let's even, let's localize this. If you could have a giant billboard coming across the GW bridge, oh. getting a message out to the millions of people that drive across that bastard every day, Man. what would it, what would it say and why? No, no, Now, do they know it's from me or is it just in general? just in general just what what's a what's something you would love for a lot of people to contemplate no you know it was, you know it's drilled in my head my whole life my, every time when we were kids we would be going somewhere we didn't want to do or doing something that we weren't that into and my father would always say it's about respect son <laughs> just saying it's you know what it boils down to putting up there and saying you know, it's about respect or respect all or just something with the word respect. Even like Derek Jeter when he was retiring, he had the respect shirt. So that, you know, respect, something about respect. That's pretty awesome. Make make people treat each other better and have respect for the craft that they're doing. Respect for, for, for anything they're into. Respect. For it. That's great. Lastly, and I don't normally ask this question, but there's got to be something here. <laughs> What's an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? Oh, man. I don't know. You know, I get super. I mean, is it things that help competition barbecue? Not necessarily. To the rest of the world? <laughs> it could be. It doesn't have to be. It could just be something extremely strange. <laughs> let, let me tell you, I get into streaks of, of cooking. And even like as I'm doing this stuff, like I'll get into super get into making fresh mozzarella and uh you know dive into that get all the equipment all the best products and just like be obsessed with it to the point where my family doesn't even want to eat anymore and you you name it making sausage i went through that phase i've gone through so many phases of just being obsessed with a particular food you anything greek food i had a greek food phase whatever whatever it is i've had phases in my life i still do of being obsessed with one particular pizza, you know, baking dough and all that, all, all tomatoes, getting the tomatoes from California, you know, just being obsessive uh, with making the best of something. 
I do the, and it's a recent thing with me, as I've uh, started reading a lot of books about, um, I, I've really dived into the culinary book world, you know, reading Bill Buford's books about, uh, he wrote one called Dirt, uh, that was about Mario Batali, and uh, where he learned to cook in Italy, and he went back and recreated all of that. Wow. And another one where he went to uh, Lyon in France, and, you know, and learned how to cook traditional French food from traditional French chefs, and, you know, that's right. It is, and it really threw me down this rabbit hole mm. of, and I forget what book it was that I read. And I want to say it was by Michael Rollman, but I'm not sure. Okay, he does charcuterie. I know that. Yeah, but I think it was a. He wrote this chapter on omelets. There you go. And it became this thing for me, where I had to make it perfectly. And that's and, the simplicity of, look, you got an egg and a pan and a piece of butter. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then and then you're reading all of these different ways to do it and all these different concepts and things that people do. And, it's, you know, and I've tried all of them. Yeah, it's and, It's just like barbecue, the simplicity, meat and fire. And, you know, but like yeah. at the surface, that's what it is. But it's so much more. So I made omelets every day for two years straight. Wow. How's your cholesterol? <laughs> uh, it's good. I keep the cheese out of it. Okay. Uh, I just make egg omelets. If I have, if I have some greens, I'll toss them in there. Um, but you do just a French keep... roll. You do a French three roll. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Have to have to, I've gone through so many pans there just to go. find, That's find it. the right pan. And now I'm going to plug one of my sponsors because the best omelet pan that I've ever had is the omelet pan I got from Gunter Wilhelm. Oh really? Okay. Teflon. It, it, yes, and it's the weight of it is offset, so when you flip it, it's it's perfect every time. Although this morning my tendonitis acted up and I created a, a monster mash of an omelet, so it yeah, kind of upset you, me. <laughs> you, you it it upset me a little bit, and I get mad. Like I get physically mad at myself if I screw it up in the morning. But hey, just uh, like you said with practice, you know, cooking briskets. If you work an omelet station, one busy brunch service, you'd be uh, on the money. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's either you're either going to swim or you're going to sink. That's the yeah. truth. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, tell people. Is there any sponsors you want to hit, or and tell people where to find you online? Yeah, uh, sponsors. Prairie Fresh, Royal Oak um smoke firewood which is amazing out of georgia and mm -hmm. what else we got butcher's barbecue like i said and is that it i'm forgetting one i don't know hook and rail out of staten island is a great butcher shop they hook us up all the time with chicken and stuff top gun barbecue at top gun barbecue is the instagram and the website which we don't really use <laughs> top gun barbecue <laughs> bbq get them on instagram that's where they're most yeah. Yeah, most active. Don't send them a message on Facebook because you'll never hear anything. No, never. <laughs> to my mother. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thank you for being on, man. Thank you, Luke. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and share it out with all your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. 
We will have another episode for you next week. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2021. Old Virginia Smoke.